Welcome to the Legal Toolkit, where you'll get the latest trends and legal business initiatives that help you manage your law firm every day. Hear from the experts setting the standards for legal, insurance, compliance, and tools of the profession. You're listening to the Legal Talk Network. Here's the host of the Legal Toolkit, Jared Correa. Yes, indeed. Welcome back to another new episode of the Legal Toolkit here on the Legal Talk Network. As always, thanks for listening. I'm your host, Jerry Correa. I'm also your Huckleberry. And I'm the Law Practice Advisor with the Massachusetts Law Office Management Assistance Program. LOMAP provides free and confidential law practice management consulting services to Massachusetts attorneys. For more information on LOMAP's offerings, visit our website at masslomap.org or like our Facebook page at facebook.com slash masslomap. On the Legal Toolkit, we provide you each month with a new tool to add to your own Legal Toolkit so your practices will become more and more like best practices. And this month, it's no different. On this episode, we're talking about law firm websites. My guest today is Larry Bodine, the editor-in-chief for Lawyers.com, the top consumer-focused legal website. Prior to joining Lawyers.com, Larry was a marketing consultant for 11 years, during which time he assisted 250-plus law firms with business development, individual lawyer coaching, and website renewal. He is a former litigator and was the director of communications for Sidley, Austin, Brown, and Wood for eight years. Welcome to the Legal Toolkit, Larry. Jared, thank you very much. It's a pleasure to be here. Great. Uh, So let's dive into it here. So when we start, I think the basic question is, you know, with the prevalence of profile sites, blogs, social media platforms, why should a law firm still have a website? Well, the profile sites are going to be very good places for clients to find you. However, they're also going to be finding lots and lots of other lawyers. So, for instance, at Lawyers.com, a a consumer can look up an attorney, but uh, we get 2.5 million visitors, and there's lots of other things to see, other Mm -hmm. attorneys. And that's why it makes sense to have a website which will be your home page. So they're only going to be looking at your practice areas, um, your your partners, and your own bio. You, you need to have a home base for people to come to. Sort of uh, filtering through the crowd there. Yeah, very much so. I mean, you know, compare it to um, the uh, yellow pages. When you have a presence on the yellow pages, you've just made yourself more alike with everyone else because there's just pages and pages of listings and it's really difficult for a consumer or a client to weed through all that and um, that's why you know a website is is a much better place to to have a presence in that it takes advantage of the way the clients look for lawyers you know they don't they don't get into a car accident and automatically think personal injury attorney Instead, what they do is they research their legal issue. You can't do that in the yellow pages, but you can certainly do that with Google. And if you've put a description on your website of how you handle that particular problem, chances are good the client is going to find you. Hmm. All right, so we're filtering the noise. Um, So law firms should continue to have websites. Um, Oh, yeah, I I would definitely say so. Yeah, and I think the question then is how complex should those websites be? Is a simple placeholder site enough, like an online business card, or should it be more robust than that? Jared, it's really got to be more robust. Because I've mm-hmm. seen a lot of lawyers create websites that are essentially just a billboard in a cornfield, and that's really <laughs> not going to do them any good. Mm-hmm. I, I see that there are at least five elements that are required on a law firm website 
Um, the first one takes advantage of the fact that consumers are going to research their legal issues. So it behooves the lawyer to put up an FAQ, frequently asked question file, where you can describe, you know, the damage that they're dealing with or the injury that they're concerned with and how you're going to solve that problem. The second thing is to have case histories. Again, if your ethics rules permit it, a case history can simply be four lines long, and it just describes the client, the legal issue that they were involved in, how many dollars were at stake, and how you solved the problem. And it's mm -hmm. very persuasive when clients see that. Mm. The second, uh, third and fourth thing kind of run together. On the one hand, if you have a lot of business clients, it really makes sense to set out a list of representative clients. Again, you need to get client permission to do that, and it's permitted in most states. Now, if you have a consumer clientele, of course, it doesn't make any sense to put up a bunch of individuals. So what you should do is ask them for testimonials and put those on your site. Again, this is also governed by ethics rules. And then the fifth thing, and this is the killer thing that you really need to have on, on your website today, is a video. You need to have a video three minutes or less where you are explaining how you treat clients, what it's like to do business, and some of the solutions that you bring and some of the problems that you solve. And if you have those five elements, it really doesn't matter what the site looks like. You've got everything a client is looking for. Hmm, that's excellent. And so uh, videos, I think, are somewhat daunting to a lot of attorneys who don't necessarily know how to, you know, set up a video, publish it to the website. Um, you think using YouTube or something like that would be effective enough? Absolutely. It's, it's a very effective means. You know, you can have a videographer come into your office with lighting and sound, and they can record a video of you for about $750. I've mm. done it for other attorneys. Mm. And then it's a simple matter of opening a free YouTube account and uploading that video to YouTube, and there it is for everybody to see. The other advantage is YouTube provides you with the embed coding, which you can just copy and then paste onto your website, and it will cause the video to appear right on your own website. Excellent. Uh, yeah, and I've seen some attorneys have actually put together YouTube channels, so they've got that one video, and then they push people out to other videos as well. Um, yeah, you know, and a, another angle on getting video is, uh, reminds me of a small law firm in um, Albany, New York, where the uh, marketing director and partners all made a point of getting to know the producers, who are the news editors at all the local television stations. Mm. And so now whenever there's a bill in the legislature about DWI law, the TV station calls the attorneys and asks them for color commentary, and they've got a friendly relationship worked out where the TV studio makes the video available to the law firm. So mm. not only do they have no production costs, but uh, they get something that's professionally shot, and it's part of a news program. Hmm, that's excellent. Um, so let's stay on content for a little bit here. Um, you talked about having an image of a cornfield not being enough for a uh, for a law firm website. How do you feel about static images that are just you know a series of legal books? Do you think people should have their own photos on their website, or what do you think about images on websites? Well, images are important, and you need to take advantage of the things that your brain is hardwired to look for, and that would be faces. People yep. are just hardwired to look at faces, and what I recommend you put on your site are pictures of your clients, or at least stock photos that illustrate what your clients look like. Hmm. Um, 
there would be a temptation to put your faces, your attorney faces, on the website, <laughs> but that's going to be much less interesting than uh, pictures of your clients. Mm. And images to avoid at all costs are all of the trite legal images, you know, like a gavel banging down, a courthouse, yeah. a blind justice, um, a bunch of columns around a building, you know, that that's or law books, you know, the wall of law books. Well, they're all really boring. They're overused, <laughs> and they're not effective. And I, I think actually the worst image I ever saw was a firm that put up uh, pictures of their offices, and it had nobody in it. <laughs> and I just yes. thought, wow, this would have been really powerful if you had people in it. But now you're kind of just showing, hey, look at our offices. There's nobody home. <laughs> no one works here ever. <laughs> <laughs> Um, so client permission to put those pictures up, obviously, as well. And uh, Oh, ab absolutely. I mean, and, and the thing is, clients are going to be willing to give you permission and give you a yeah. testimonial, provided you have a strong relationship with them and you got them a good result. I, most yeah. clients are, are delighted to give permission. All right. So aside from visual images, let's talk a little bit about text, which I suppose are visual images. But um, what do you think about textual-based content? Uh white papers, blogs. Um, I know videos hot, but do those still have a place on websites and how should they be incorporated? Well, absolutely. You know, the, everybody's heard the phrase content is king. Mm -hmm. And Google has just recently uh, revised its algorithm by which it uses to rank law firm websites. And it looks at two things. It looks at freshness. It looks at the text to see how recently it was put up. And of course, anything fresh is going to be favored with a high position in a search engine result. And the other thing is uh, frequency. You know, they want to see that not only is it updated recently, but that it's updated regularly. Hmm. And um, when you're writing this text, what you should do is keep keywords in mind. Keywords are the words that your clients use when they come in and talk to you. Those are the very words that they're going to use when they're searching for you on the Internet. So, for instance, if all you've got on your website is that you're a, a plaintiff personal injury firm, you might not get found because the client is going to be looking for something like neck injury or in a wheelchair. Again, you know, take advantage of the fact that they're trying to solve their problem and put the answers on your website. Excellent. Um, all right. So blogging is key. That uh, that text content is key. And we're talking about stuff that's consistent and then stuff that features the appropriate keywords so it's relevant. So, Correct. So yeah. uh, social media is, you know, exploding in popularity. Um, most people have a website and then have some more, some other sort of web presence feature as well. They've got a Facebook page for their business. They've got a LinkedIn page for their business. Um, should those social media links and streams appear at websites? And if so, where should they appear? Oh, absolutely. Um, what What is uh, something that's very effective is to take the little icons for Twitter, Facebook, LinkedIn, Google+, you know, name the social network, mm -hmm. and uh, set them forth on the home page or and on the attorney bios so that when a visitor can click on them it takes them to the Twitter or LinkedIn bio of the attorney and it also works vice versa 
when you create a page or your profile page on LinkedIn or Twitter or Facebook, you want to make absolutely sure that you've included a link back to your blog or back to your website. Mm. This is something that's going to uh, help with uh, search engine optimization, as they say. Because all those things are searchable. That's right. And, you know, people frequently, when they find something that they like, they want to tell somebody about it. And then it, it's a habit that I get into. And when, when I see something I like, I, if there's a plus one button, I'm going to click that. You yeah. know, if there's a, a LinkedIn button, I'll, I'll click on that uh, and, and say, and, you know, share it on LinkedIn. Yeah. All right. Real easy ways to do that then. That's great. Um, so beyond just featuring social media icons on your website and having your website listed at your social media platforms. Uh, are there any more proactive things that folks can do to sort of promote their website through social media or vice versa? Well, yes. Um, in, in fact, I have what uh, I sort of call a magic uh, multiplication marketing method. You know, you couldn't talk to a marketer without a little bit of alliteration. <laughs> Very nice. So, uh, let's start with the fact that you just put up an article on your website or you just wrote a, um, yeah, you just put up uh, an, an FAQ on your website. Uh, what I would do next is go, if, it's a, if it can be turned into a video, I'd turn it into a video and put it on YouTube. And then there's a site called GDSupra, S-U-P-R-A dot com, where you can upload articles and newsletters and anything that you, you as a lawyer have written. And it's a way of kind of uh, redistributing it. And then what you can do is condense your FAQ into a blog post. So you've published it a, a, another time. And then what I do is I take the headline and the address of the, of the FAQ, and I condense it into a tweet. And I send it out to, I have about 4,000 Twitter followers. Mm-hmm. And then after that, I go to LinkedIn and do a status update that I've updated my FAQ with a link to the article, and then I'll go into the discussion areas and see if I can't get a discussion started. Mm. And then finally, I'll update my status, um, go to my Facebook account and, and, and Google Plus as well and say, you know, I've just put on something new online. And I've, I've essentially taken one piece of content and published it in four or five different places. Mm. And this is a really effective way of, of using social media. Yeah, so we're talking about repurposing and then getting in as many channels as you can. That's right. That's great. Um, so, Larry, we've got some great stuff here. Uh, thank you. And uh, we're going to take a quick break. But when we come back, we're going to have more with Larry Bodine. Want to stay in touch with the Legal Talk Network and get our shows automatically? RSS provides home delivery. You don't have to remember where to click. The good stuff comes right to you automatically and free. Just go to LegalTalkNetwork.com and hit the RSS button at the top of the page. It says our podcast feeds. Now you'll be all set. You can advertise with us at Legal Talk Network and have your own commercial play in this podcast. Just give us a call anytime at 781-551-9960 or shoot us an email at admin at LegalTalkNetwork.com. We're glad you're listening to Legal Talk Network. Check us out on Facebook, Twitter, and LinkedIn, too. All right. Welcome back to the Legal Toolkit on the Legal Talk Network. Today, I'm joined by Larry Bodine, Editor-in-Chief of Lawyers.com. 
So Larry, we were talking previously about using websites and social media in conjunction to market your practice. Um, and you hinted a little bit about SEO, search engine optimization. Let's talk a little bit more about that now. So it's one thing to have a website, but it's another thing to make sure that people can find that website, the people that you want to find it. So what are some basic SEO tools that attorneys should be using to get website visits from their target audience? Well, the basic things still hold true, uh, Jared. You need to put up uh, content uh, frequently. Um, you know, you've got to put up content that's fresh and focuses on uh, current issues. You want to listen to your clients and fill your whatever you put on your website with the terms, with the keywords that they are using. Um, and then there, you know, are if you're handy with uh, HTML or somebody in your office is, mm -hmm. there are places to um, put more descriptions in what they call the title tags and in the alt tags, which are the captions for pictures, mm -hmm. and in uh, the meta tags. But if you don't want to get your hands dirty under the hood with all of the HTML, the other area where you should really spend time on is creating inbound links to your website. And the idea here is to take material that you've produced and put it on somebody else's website. Hmm. You know, you may go into a blog and uh, just enter a, somebody else's blog and enter a comment, but you would add your, your website address to it. Mm -hmm. Or you go to one of these content distribution sites like JD Supra, put up uh, your material, but always be sure to create inbound links. It turns out that um, inbound links uh, account for at least 50% of the reason why Google will put you on the first page. That's one of the things that they measure. How many other people are linking back to you? If they see a lot of links back to your website, they're going to presume it's worth putting on the first page of the search results. Okay, excellent. Um, so what do you feel, uh, how, what's your feeling on website analytics? Um, do you use those on your websites, and do you, do you think that folks can look at previous trends about how people have accessed the website and use that to future advantage? Very much so. Uh, I check the analytics, for example, on my blog all the time, hmm. and uh, you, can, you can use Google Analytics or any of the programs that are available to read your, the website's log files, and the first thing I want to see is where is my traffic coming from? And if I see that uh, Google and uh, Yahoo are at the top of the list, well, then I, I know that uh, my search engine optimization efforts are working. What I'm also looking for, though, is what are the terms that people are using when they search to my site? Yep. So though that is going to basically give me all the keywords that I need. And, of course, um, I want to know which of my blog entries were read more than others, and a pattern will emerge. And, you know, I'll be able to see in, in one glance very quickly what people are reading on my site. And my attitude is, hey, if the people like it, I'm just going to give them more because that's going to bring <laughs> them back. Yep. yep. You know, and then the other trend you want to see, there's, there's one number that you need to follow, and that is unique visitors. There are also page views and other measures, but you want to focus on unique visitors and see if that number is increasing or decreasing. And that'll be uh, your thermometer. If it's going up, uh, then uh, you're becoming hot. And if it's going down, you're becoming cold. So always track the number of unique visitors. And so just so people out there know, what is a unique visitor? A unique visitor is 
someone who comes to your site, maybe looks at five different pages on your site, but gets counted as a single visitor. Mm-hmm. Um, if that person comes back in an hour, uh, your website will recognize that and will not count them again because it's the same visitor. Yep. Thank you. Um, so one of the top search terms for our blog is uh, Julia Roberts' ex-husband. Apparently, I write a lot about Lyle Lovett. Then, <laughs> uh, <laughs> so as, as I mentioned before, you talk a little bit about website renewal. And I think it's a daunting challenge for a lot of people who already have websites to sort of look back and try to rejigger what they have. So how should a firm that wants to renew its website approach that task? Well, there are some uh, certain elements that you should look for on your site. And if they're missing add them. And I can give you like seven of them. Uh, one would be to look at your homepage and see if there's any place that people can go to find representative cases or case studies. Mm-hmm. You see this a lot on plaintiff sites where they will list their verdicts and settlements. It's very effective. Mm-hmm. Second thing I'd look for is do you have any video on your site? Video helps with search engine optimization. It helps engage visitors. If you don't have some video, you should put some on the home page. You should also spell out what kind of people you represent. So, for instance, you look at a plaintiff PI site, and they may say that they are lawyers for catastrophically injured people. You know, and your website needs to do the same thing in in terms of spelling out whom it is that you serve. Uh, somewhere you should have a link that leads to your unique selling proposition. In other words, what makes you different from all of the other lawyers? And if you add up all the benefits of coming to your firm, what is that? That's unique, your unique selling proposition. Then you got to cover the basics, like your phone number and uh, contact information should be in the top right corner in big font so that people mm-hmm. can see it. If uh, you have a blog and there's no link to one, you should include that. Yep. And then finally, what I recommend is put a little feedback form on the home page. You can call it like, how can we help? And the person enters their name, address, and phone, and a description of their legal problem, and voila, you've made the site interactive. And the other thing to when you're refreshing a site is take a look and see, look for gavels, you know, look for columns, look for any kind of a trite image, mm-hmm. and if they're, if they're there, get rid of them mm-hmm. and replace them with... Uh, uh, images that reflect or pictures of your clients. Hmm. All right, last question, Larry. Um, so is it worth it for law firms or solo attorneys to design their own websites? Uh, if you think they should, what tips do you have for those folks? And if not, how would they go about hiring someone to design their website? Well, uh, this is one of these things that you know involves style and uh, artwork and technology, mm-hmm. and I, I would definitely find an expert. Um, yeah. You know, lawyers are smart people, but, you know, they don't teach website design in law school. And, um, you know, there's the old line about uh, uh, a client who has himself as a lawyer has got a fool for a client. So we, we don't advise our clients to go into court without a lawyer. And I don't think you should go on the web without a, an expert in the web. And the, the way that you can find them is, uh, uh, you know, word of mouth. Um, I would start by uh, finding a website you like, telephoning the law firm, and asking them who designed your site, and would you mind <laughs> giving me their contact information. <laughs> the other thing is to um, get in touch with um, people in the Legal Marketing Association and ask some marketing directors which web developers they recommend. 
And I think if you t- take those steps, you're, you're going to find somebody who will do a good job for you. Thanks, Larry. Uh, we covered a lot of ground today. <laughs> and uh, with that, we come to the end of this edition of the Legal Toolkit. So remember that you can check out all of our shows at LegalTalkNetwork.com. Thanks to my guest today, Larry Bodine. Uh, Larry, if any of our listeners want to find out more about you or about Lawyers.com, other than the obvious, go to Lawyers.com, uh, how would they do that? Well, um, if you want to email me, uh, my address is real simple. It's just Larry.Bodine, and it's at LexisNexis.com. And the place where you'll see my work uh, has the address blogs with an S, dot lawyers.com blogs.lawyers.com and if all that fails then just uh, google my name and you'll find me very quickly I didn't know we'd get a personal email out of you not bad now watch out people may start emailing you now <laughs> well you picked up my favorite topic so I'm happy to discuss this <laughs> excellent thank you very much Larry again um, now don't forget for all of you listening out there in the web ether to join us next time on the legal toolkit The views expressed by the participants of this program are their own and do not represent the views of, nor are they endorsed by, Legal Talk Network, its officers, directors, employees, agents, representatives, shareholders, and subsidiaries. None of the content should be considered legal advice. As always, consult a lawyer. Thanks for listening to the Legal Toolkit. You can subscribe to the RSS feed and hear Jared every month right here on the Legal Talk Network. If you're a lawyer running a solo or small firm and you're looking for other lawyers to talk through issues you're currently facing in your practice, join the Unbillable Hours Community Roundtable, a free virtual event on the third Thursday of every month. Lawyers from all over the country come together and meet with me, lawyer and law firm management consultant Christopher T. Anderson, to discuss best practices on topics such as marketing, client acquisition, hiring and firing, and time management. The conversation is free to join, but requires a simple reservation. The link to RSVP can be found on the Unbillable Hour page at LegalTalkNetwork.com. We'll see you there.